Good morning. Uh, what, what I miss most on Sundays for the past several weeks until here recently was, was the greeting at the door, just seeing people come in. Uh, it's been fun here uh, in the past few weeks because I'm looking for the new faces that are, that are coming out and, and seeing more and more folks each Sunday uh, feeling comfortable and coming out and uh, uh, just seeing you guys. It is, it is a joy uh, to be together. Is that right? Is that a true statement? It is, it is just a joy to be together. And so, uh, you know, I, I just uh, love God's people. I love God's people. And, and man, we have so much in common uh, when it comes to Jesus. Isn't that right? And where we're going and, and how we're making it through each week. I know who you're dependent on. It's the same God I'm dependent on. I know what you're looking forward to. Yeah, it's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, the end of all things and, and you know, just being in his presence. Woo-hoo. Or an amen to some of us, right? Uh, yeah, to those who are on the camera or, or in front of your, your screens, you know, but we're, we're missing you. And, and uh, uh, our continued message is when you feel safe and good, uh, part of my prayer this week is God, you know, just protect us from that virus and uh, watch over us and, and keep us safe as a body. It's been a prayer for uh, several, several months. But there's so much more to protect us about in there, not, not just viruses. There's so, much, so many things in this world that could turn south and just go wicked on us, uh, even anywhere from accidents to intentional things. Uh, the world's not easy to live by, is it? The, the world, uh, watching news at night, how many of you are avoiding the news right now? Just, boy, I don't want to watch anymore. I can't take anymore. I'm there. I just, you know, Linda has it on. She's pretty avid news watcher, and I just go to another room. I just don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I, I, I hide from it. I'll watch it for a while, but then I'll run to the other direction. I don't know. Uh, we, we were just in Daniel, right? And, and how many of you just, just took the time and tried to think, well, what would it have been like to live in, in those, under those circumstances? What were the circumstances? Well, let's see, Daniel was taken out of what he was comfortable with. He was taken out of his, the, the kingdom he was familiar with, which was God's kingdom, uh, taken away from the temple where God dwelt and, and where he worshipped, and he was taken into a foreign country. Not just a foreign country, he was taken to an ungodly not, not his God anyway, an ungodly place. And he lived under those circumstances. Well, let me see, and they were creating laws, laws that said, hey, you need to, when you hear the music, bow down and worship this idol, which was absolutely contrary to everything he believed in. I'm not going to bow down to that idol. And also he was told, you, you don't pray. You don't pray to anybody but to our, our uh, ruler. You, you only pray to Darius. And, and uh, you know, what would you do? Would you, would you continue to stand? Would you continue to be faithful? I mean, the, the, the encouragement in there was those guys, those young men, stood and, and did not budge. They, they stayed faithful to their God through all circumstances. What about you and I, though? How, how do we live? How should we live? And that was kind of the, the question I approached is, after leaving Daniel and now going uh, back into the New Testament, I'm turning to Paul, and, and matter of fact, the sixth chapter of Ephesians. We're going to spend the rest of the summer uh, in, in that chapter, sixth chapter of, of Ephesians. Before we do, are you familiar with the book of Ephesians? 
It, it's one of those easier reads, I think. And, and uh, the content uh, will get you a little pumped. It'll, it'll go woo-hoo throughout, right? Especially in the first three chapters, there's amens all over the place because God has provided, he's blessed us. You know, he, he's predestined, he's, he's laid it out for us. And, and, and chapter 2 begins by saying, hey, this is where you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You with me? It's just telling us who we are. Uh, as, as we're reading, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, we could read and say, yeah, that's us. Because that's who we are. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're alive to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Woohoo, amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Ephesians in the first three chapters even goes to the place that says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Woohoo. You know, we, that's our identity. Just the fact that we says we belong to him. We are right with him. That's, that's great news. Beginning of chapter 4, uh, Paul begins this section 4, 5, and 6 of saying, this is how you ought to live. Matter of fact, 4 verse 1 basically says, hey, listen, now, final, you know, hey, listen, live worthy of what you received. Live worthy of the calling. Hey, you've answered the call. You received Christ as your Savior. Uh, no longer dead in your sins, but alive in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. How should I live? Okay, just live worthy of that. Woo! <laughs> live worthy. And, and we spend our lives pursuing that. I mean, that's who we are. Believers in Christ, it is our pursuit to live worthy of what God has done for us. The love he's revealed to us through Jesus. His death, his resurrection. That is our life now. Live worthy of that. He goes on to say, it. okay, what does that mean? Well, he goes on, he continues to say, don't live any longer what you came out of. Don't live concerning the things of this world. Okay, don't live as the Gentiles, he says, but that means don't, don't live in that constant sinfulness. Instead, live, you know, don't live in that darkness. Be children of light. Be children of the light. Be children of God. Represent him. And so in 4, 5, and 6, it lays out what that's like up through verse 9. And then in our passage that we're going to be working on for a little while, uh, in chapter 6, he comes to a grand conclusion. If you're reading through this book, matter of fact, I encourage you to read. I always encourage you to read some passage. Just read through this book of Ephesians. Six chapters, not hard. Uh, you can read it through in a week. One a day, you don't, I mean, you have an extra day to, to sleep in or something. But six, you know, six, so, you know, six chapters, read it once, read it twice, read it again. Write down questions, absorb Ephesians because it begins with this is who we are, this is how we ought to live. Again, in, in that chapter six, it comes to a great conclusion. I, I almost see uh, Paul getting pumped and, and, and writing, you know, just concluding this and with a charge and a challenge. Uh, so let's read. Uh, today I'm just going to bite off the first uh, three verses uh, for you this morning. Uh, 10, beginning verse 10 uh, through verse 13. Here's what Paul says. Finally, meaning he's leading toward, towards the conclusion of this letter. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. To stand. The armor of God. I mean, it... it if, if you know Paul and his circumstances, especially in this letter, he's imprisoned. Uh, Paul knows soldiers. Matter of fact, if you were living in that time, you would uh, everybody's seen a soldier. But Paul's probably seen soldiers more so because he is he's under house arrest. There's there's more than likely there's one or two guards that's always around his house. And uh, whether they're suited up for battle, but he's familiar with what it looks like to be suited up for battle. And, and uh, he's, he's laying out this, this idea that you as a believer in this world, like there's, there's darkness in this world, there's evil in this world, but now you've been called to light and you're living for God, guess what? There's, there, there is conflict going on. So what he says, what he says to, to these Ephesians at the very last, he said, put on that armor. Let's go. Let's, let's be ready. Be armor ready. Ar- you know, armor up. Uh, put on that armor of God. And I think it's very important, especially what, what is, is implied here. That as a believer, as, as those being in Jesus, that we as believers are involved in the battle. We're involved in the battle. We're not, we're not protected. We're not off someplace uh, wait, just waiting for Jesus to come. But we're to be involved in this battle. Believers are involved in this battle. So this morning... In the verses that we just read, I want to see, I want us to all look and see uh, what we need to know concerning this battle that we're involved in or that we're called to be a part of. And, and the first, first uh, item, the first detail that I think we need to make is that uh, you're never alone in this fight. You're not alone in this fight. That's a scary, a scary idea, right? I'm going to suit you up and you just go out and fight. Well, first of all, we know that God is always with us. It was the idea the Israelites definitely had in the Old Testament uh, when they went to battle. Matter of fact, I, I think about one case where there was a battle to be fought against the Midianites. Uh, thousands and thousands of Midianites. And, and God looked at the army and the thousands of Israelites were going to go fight them. And, and God said, well, there's too many to get in. And so he, he brought the number down to 300. Okay, now you're ready. <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't sound like a bright way to go tack thousands uh, of Midianites who've been a, a thorn in the Israelite side. But God's whole purpose was, I want you to know that, hey, it's, it's me. It's me. It's, it's me going to battle. It's me to, and, and they wiped out the Midianites uh, with 300 men. It's God. We, we need to know that God is there with us. He's a part of the battle. Matter of fact, Jesus, when he, he laid out the, the Great Commission... You know, he gave us the orders to go. What did he say? It, it, oh, yeah, you know, go baptize them, you know, teach them. But at, at the conclusion, he said, I am with you always. I'm with you always. This, this battle is not something that we're going alone, but, man, we're going with God. I had the feeling that Daniel, uh, Mishael, Azariah, and, and, oh, good grief, I already messed up their names. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, they, they knew God was with them. They knew that God was present. He was the God of all gods. Whether they died or not, it didn't matter. They were going to be gods. 
And that's kind of the attitude. That is the attitude, not kind of. Got to throw that word out. That is the attitude that we need to carry with us. He is always with us. And, and not only that, okay, God and Jesus, were, that's great. We're still not alone. Even just with, with, with them. I mean, that, that's great. But he has promised us to be a part of an army. Uh, Kenny Bowles, one of my uh, uh, teachers, when I, when I first went to college, uh, he made the comment that we're not gladiators. You watch the, you know, gladiators. Gladiators are those who would go into the arena and battle, you know, take on each other. They would go by themselves. But we're suited up to be part of an army, to be side by side. When we stand, we stand together, united, those who are in Jesus Christ. We're together. And he talks, as a matter of fact, that first part of this says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I, I, I don't want to skip that, that, that all of us are empowered through Jesus Christ. We're empowered through God's mighty power. Matter of fact, what is, what is it that Paul prays? The last part of, of chapter 3, uh, right, right before he turns to it, this is, how, this is what you ought to do. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Uh, and he says it over and over. Three or four times he refers to power in his prayer for the Ephesians. Yeah, we need to, we need to understand is God is the one who strengthens us. Well, one of the significant things in that prayer is that, that, that we're empowered so that we might remember how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ. Because that's where the power is. The strength is, 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 well, let me see, what strength do we have evidenced? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus. That was some mighty power at work on our behalf. That our Savior not only died, but that he lives today. You know, we are strengthened. We're not alone in this. Uh, I'll move on to the second detail. There's another detail of what we need to know about the battle that we face. And it's this truth that the enemy is not us. Or the enemy is not humanity. It's not flesh and blood is what the passage is. Verse 12 says, our battle or our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, sometimes we might think that it's against flesh and blood. We, we, you know, there's other people who are going to church and we're in competition with them. Those people across, they call themselves Baptist. They're Baptist over there. But I want you to know that our guns are not pointed at them. They're not our enemy. Brad Seifert, the preacher over there, is a good friend, a good brother in Christ of mine. And, and the people over there who, who love and, and have embraced Jesus as their Savior, guess what? We are, we are connected with them through Jesus Christ. And down the street here, it's living word. And I could say the same thing for them. Denominations, oh man, they confuse us and, and things like that. But we are not divided from them. Those churches, I will say those, those churches that identify Jesus as Savior. Are you with me? Those who identify Jesus as their Savior, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we pray for them and we love them and they're not against us and we're not against them. I also, also need to say that, you know, um, you know Paul in, in chapter 5 talks about relationships, all the relationships that we're a part of. Uh, your husband or your wife, they are not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. 
You know, matter of fact, what it lays out is that we are to, especially within the church, and in and, and, and here we're not against each other. Matter of fact, what we're called to is to love one another, right? Remember that? that that's a continued message we need to remember. Even those that, that frustrate us or that we're not seeing the same or we're, we're not understanding maybe the direction we ought to go and, uh, and, and, and doing some things that, oh, wow, I, I think we ought to do something different, that we are to love one another. I think that means we need to talk a lot more and, and share and, and, and in our lives and things like that, but we're not each other's enemy. And even more so, you know, probably where our minds go, what about the atheist? What about the person sitting home saying, man, we are wasting our time? Now, have you ever had been around a person that just hates Christians? I, I hate the, you know, I, I remember, a, a, you know, actually it was a past minister that was here, talked about being in a barber shop, and the guy in the barber chair was just talking away just about how those Christians they waste their time and, and man, they're, they're actually a detriment to our community. And, and Daryl Boston spoke up. <laughs> Daryl Boston spoke up. He says, you have no idea what the church represents. Uh, an atheist is not my enemy. He might hate me and despise me for what I believe and what I do in my life. But uh, he's not my enemy. Who is our enemy? Verse 12 continues on. Here's our struggle. It is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, who's that? Uh, the, the power and the authority. Let, let me think about that a little bit because we just went through Daniel. And, and I think, well, well, who was the power and authority to Daniel? Well, it was Babylon. It, it was uh, later on, it was, it was going to be the Persian and the Medes and Persians as they came in. And, and even as they looked at, later on, it was going to be, you know, what was represented by the leopard and the, the ten heads and the wings. It, it was going to be uh, Greece. It was, this, this is the authority and the powers. Matter of fact, we go into the Old Testament, who was the authority and powers then? Well, it was the, the nations, it was Egypt, it was, it was the nations they attacked. But all those nations have been wiped out, and there is one kingdom that stands eternal now. That stands eternal. Now, for the Ephesians, who, who could they be thinking about as authority and, and powers? Or in other scriptures might say principality and powers. Um, who, who would it be but the Romans? And they were all over. Well, there's the enemy. It's those Romans. It's Nero. It's, it's Domitian. It's, it's these wicked rulers. They're the enemies. Have you ever done that with politicians? I know who the enemy is. It's the one I'm not going to vote for. And, and, I'm gonna, I'm, I, and I've done this a lot lately. Uh, I, I'm not voting for that one, but I'm, I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. Have you ever done that? Uh, I, I would like to be encouraged, excited by one, but there's, n there's not too many I see as, as a true believer in Jesus Christ. And, and so I feel like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils sometimes, whether senators or, or otherwise. Um, when it came to, to the Ephesians, you know, it, it would have been the Romans, but that's not who Paul was talking about. Matter of fact, if you continue, the whole thing is a description of, of our enemy. It is the principalities and powers, the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Basically, the true enemies 
We're no longer the Romans. It's no longer, you know, those in power, but the spiritual powers that lurked behind the human faces of the authorities and empires of this world. It, it, it is the, it's the darkness that you came out of. It's the darkness that you were called out of. And now living in Christ, it was that darkness that existed in you. It's the same darkness that's working in this world. That's working in the, the, the uh, nations like uh, North Korea or, or Turkey or, or uh, um, Iran or, or Al-Qaeda even. Uh, it, it is the, the evil forces that's working behind those. You know, we are, we are people of light. And, and the rest of the world, the flesh and blood, have the potential to come to know the light. Isn't that right? Flesh and blood, they are not our enemy. But the darkness of this world, the evil of this world, the principality, it mentions the devil and his schemes. Are you familiar? The devil and his schemes. There, there are a couple of definitions uh, remind me uh, of who the devil is and how he uh, kind of defines his schemes. Uh, number one, he's an accuser. He, he, he is the one that goes around, especially the book of Job, goes around saying, pointing his finger and, and calls out, you know, things that are wrong. You know, he's an accuser, but, and he's got a lot on me. He could point and say, boy, he is, he is a sinner, and he, he belongs to me. Now, all of us, really. He could point his bony fingers at us and say, you know, and bring out everything and every condemnation. But, you know, he's also, he's an accuser. He, he's also a deceiver. He's a liar. Do you, do you see how the world around us is just absolutely deceived? And, and his tactics have people embracing things of hatred and, and of uh, uh, bitterness, holding on to bitterness and making that the very means by which they move forward and act. Uh, things of deceitfulness and arrogance and pride. And man, it's in every way. He, he's a deceiver. He's, he's a vile, vile enemy. And, and the fact is that, it, that even in Ephesians, I think it's important to note this, that, that we're talking about a great enemy, but we have a great God. And he, in Ephesians, he's already, won some, he's already won the battle. He's won it in you. Back in 5.8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. L live as children of the light. In verse 11, he comes along and says, Have nothing to do with the fruit fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. You see, he, he's already won a battle in you. And, and the truth is, he's already won the battle. In, in the resurrection, do we understand that the authorities and powers, the, the spiritual forces or the dark forces in this world have already been defeated? It, it's kind of different to think that we are fighting and battling against a defeated enemy. Paul said that to the Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He said, having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's exactly what he did with those spiritual, those, those demons and, and Satan. He's already defeated them. So what are we doing here? <laughs> we, we have a host of people that continue to live in darkness around us. Who, who have that opportunity to see the light. And the church has to be involved in this battle over darkness. 
Uh, matter of fact, here's how Paul says it. He wants us to armor up and do what? Stand. He wants us to stand. He wants us to stand. The final detail you need to know about the battle we face is this. That God has, has, has given us all that we need for this battle. He's given us all that we need. He has supplied everything. In the passage, verse 13 says, begins, he says, Therefore, you know, here you've identified the enemy. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. I mean, deck it out. Let's, let's go. Let's be ready to be a part of this. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And the question comes, well, when is the day of evil? When is that, you know, are we looking for a specific day of evil that's going to come? One big grand day of evil? Or what is the day of evil? I believe that, that he was speaking to the Ephesians and they saw their day of evil. There amongst the Romans, amongst the emperors and persecutions and things, there was days of evil. Days of temptation as well. And let me tell you what, you know days of evil. How many of you are familiar with days of evil? Yeah, well if you're watching the news, you see days of evil. Even in our own community, you know days of evil. Things that you are facing that, that uh, on one, one part of the days of evil is when temptation comes hard upon you. And, and it might be the hardest time for you to be standing as a believer. When you're called to stand, that day of evil is going to be attacking, right? Or it might be other circumstances where you are threatened. That's a day of evil. The days of evil are real. Matter of fact, back in chapter 5, uh, it, it comes up and he, he says in verse 15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The day, are, are you familiar with that? Are you weary from this world around us? Are you, are you weary? I do believe this is a true statement. It just seems like this world is becoming more and more ungodly. And I, I believe I heard the same thing from my dad. He believed all his life that it just seemed like the world is getting more and more ungodly. And the good news, that, that God's going to end it all. The good news is it's not out of God's hands. It's his patience. It's his mercy that we're waiting on. In order for the world to know. In order for the world to come to a repentance. And come into an understanding of God. God has equipped us for this battle. This struggle that, that's laid out in this passage. And matter of fact. Uh, he lays out in the verses that follow. That we're going to be unfolding the rest of this summer. Uh, each of these. Uh, well. Let's, let's talk. He, he talks about the belt, he talks about the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, and the sword. If you want to know more details, read ahead. Chapter 6, what, what is the belt? What is that sword? What is the, the shield? What, what is all that? And, and you'll, you'll see what the sermons are, are coming here. Uh, matter of fact, I'll let you know here in a couple weeks, uh, uh, Kevin is going to have an opportunity to preach one of these items and and also uh, Michael Berg who's here this morning he's going to have an opportunity to preach one of these uh, and and coming up so pray for them but this is an opportunity I think it's important I want to be ready I want you to be ready and prepared I want to see a, a fully armored congregation are you are you with me I want to be a fully 
uh, ready, prepared army for God who's already won the battle. <laughs> Are you with me? I, I believe that's the Ephesians conclusion as well. Because this great climactic said, hey, people suit up and they were saying, amen, let's do this. I want to live a life worthy of the God who saved my soul. So, so just to review, just to review where we've been. Uh, the, the first fact is this. You were never alone in this fight. You're never alone. We're together in this. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Suit up. And, and, and the enemy is not, our, not flesh and blood. The, the enemy is, is well known in this world. If you're watching and seeing the disgust and those who are causing you to be angry, instead pray for them because they have the opportunity in that they're, they're obviously present in the darkness, but they'd be called into the light. And maybe we had that opportunity to bring them there. Also, understand this, that God has fully supplied us. And we're going to unfold that the rest of the summer. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. In the meantime, let's, let's pray. Let's pray up this series, pray up the opportunity to go through God's word always. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Oh Lord, we come to you today because of Jesus, knowing that you have provided us a great and wonderful salvation. A salvation, Lord, that we will all admit this morning we don't deserve. And matter of fact, Lord, the, the, uh, Satan, that accuser, who points his finger at us and ready to, to condemn us, Lord, what shows on us is that blood of Jesus. And so we praise you for the righteousness that we carry about within us because of what Jesus has done for us. So we thank you for the lives that we can now live. And I pray, Lord, that we will seek to be worthy of this calling that we've received. And I pray, Father, that we will be well aware of the army that we are to be uh, wearing and going into this world to battle the forces of darkness. And the, the forces of darkness that might be in our neighbor's life or in maybe another family member's life or, or throughout our community. There are, there are people who are just lost in that darkness. Lord, help us to be your people, your soldiers, your children of light. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.